hello again, friends. And you are our friends. And welcome back to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. This week, reviewing Mid-South Wrestling Television from December 3rd, 1983. Taped, mostly, on November 23rd, 1983 at the Irish McNeil Boys Club in Shreveport, Louisiana. I am the great Brian Last. My pleasure to be with you once again. And of course, joining me as he does each and every week, just like he sat in front of the TV each and every week back in 1983 watching these shows, Mike Mills. Mike, how are you today? Living the dream, brother. Ready for another jam-packed episode of Mid-South Wrestling from December of 83, where we've finally gotten through the doldrums and we're on to some better times. Things are starting to pick up. And as we've talked about in the last few episodes, there are going to be little things in the next few episodes. This one, which is the second hour of this TV taping, November 23rd, and the next episode, and the one after that, little things that'll show you that Mid-South clearly knew that they were going to get talent from Memphis. They knew they were going to get a booker from Memphis, but they still didn't know exactly where they were going and who they were going there with. You'll see a lot of that with Lanny Poffo the next few weeks. But I think overall, things are starting to pick up from you know, a couple of weeks back, a month back, where it really tailed off, Mike. Yeah, I mean, it was just a couple of weeks ago where it was just dead. I mean, there was an episode, uh, I think it was November 19th of 83. We just were, uh, I believe your quote at the beginning of it is, this might be the quickest episode of Mid-South we've ever done. There was just nothing there. Buddy Nichols is on commentary, nothing against him. He's calling it like a, like a, just a sporting event. There's no storytelling. Jim Ross is there. It's just... Very blah is the word I'm looking for. We got through that. We had a better episode the week following, and now we're here. Like you said, things are picking up. You can see the talent trades happening. There are some things that don't have direction or don't play out later on down the line in the next uh, few months that we'll see here. You're like, okay, they were going here, but something obviously changed. All that said, you're right. Things are picking back up. And it's going to be much better days for Mid-South from here on out That's until, right. you know, until we get to, to, I, I've got some controversial takes about two and a half years from now, but we'll, we'll talk about that when we get there. Very interesting. I was going to think you were going to say summer of 85, maybe your thoughts changed, but you're going right to 1986, it sounds like. Uh, there's just, uh, there's some things in 85, obviously, for obvious reasons that I think, I'm, I don't want to give it away now, but I know what you're thinking. But there's also things once you get into 86 and obviously 87 that I just uh, was like, oh, boy, um, something's not going right here. Kind of like I was feeling in 83 when you're like, oh, something's not going right here. The difference is I was a little older, you know, obviously three more years down the line. I got a little bit more perspective on life and you start to to see how wrestling is starting to work. Not that I was a smart fan reading those magazines, reading anything back then, but it's just there are there are times later on where. You kind of get the feeling you had in parts of 83, but it's it's different. It's the best way to explain it. But we'll talk about that when we get there. We certainly will, but let's get there. Let's start right now. Let's go to the show open. Cowboy Bill Watts with the host of the show, Boyd Pierce. A lot of exciting action coming up. USA versus Russia. Steve Dr. Death Williams, proud to represent America, taking on the Russian powerhouse Nikolai Volkov. Also, tag team action sees manager Jimmy Carnett return with his Herald tag team combination of the Midnight Express. To tell us all about it this week, our president of Mid-South Wrestling and expert commentator Bill Watts. Well, Boyd, we also have Hacksaw Dugan and Mr. Wrestling 2 versus the Missing Link. But right now, let's go to Jim Ross in the ring and get down to action. Well, there it is. Nothing really too spectacular in the show open. They just kind of wanted to get right to the ring. But the only note I will say here at the top We've seen a little bit of it, and we're about to get a lot more. You bring up 86, or I brought it up after what you said. Even with the angle with Bill Watts and Korstia Korchenko, Eddie Gilbert, and the Koloffs, I think this week and next week, the next few weeks, Mid-South Wrestling, later the UWF, goes more heavy on the Russia stuff here than it does even there. Oh, yeah. Geopolitical Bill Watts is in full effect. And I've worn, we've kind of worn that term out a little bit, but there's been, you know, we've said it, Brian. Oh, here goes Bill Watts. He's talking about Russia. He's talking about, you know, this happened, that happened. If you thought I was saying it a lot then, yes, now it really kicks into overdrive. And it's almost amazing because I think about how much we've talked about it. It really, really ramps up here. We go to our first match. 
Crusher Darso versus Doug Vines, Johnny Martinez, the referee. Also want to make a note that the ring announcer is Jim Ross, not Reese or Bowden this week on the show. But let's get the opening thoughts from Cowboy Bill Watts on Crusher Darso, and somehow this turns into him talking about Ken Patera. But listen to this, we'll talk about it on the other side. Crusher Darso, a powerhouse, as you said, 303 pounds of solid muscle. A man who surprised me a little bit last week. You know, he's only been defeated twice since he's been to Mid-South Wrestling. Once by the Junkyard Dog, whom later Akbar Singh that tried to capitalize on that and offered him a bribe of $500 to turn on the dog. But Darso refused and threw the 500 back in Akbar's face. But the other guy that defeated him was Nikolai Volkov, the Russian Superman. And Darso said he could match the dog in strength. The dog just had too much experience. But he said the Russian is just awesome. His strength is overpowering. He said he felt like a little baby. And he was so caught up with the Russian's technique and almost sounded like uh, words of admiration. And he's been studying the Russian in every match since then, watching. And he says the two things that mean the most to him above everything in his life are powerlifting and wrestling. And he said the Russians are the best in the world at both sports. And actually in the recent World Games, Russian lifters so dominated and the Eastern Bloc countries so dominated the powerlifting the American team uh, it was just terrible they most of them couldn't even complete two consecutive lifts in the Olympic lifting and they were really embarrassed very badly and of course in the last uh, international wrestling meet only one American won a gold medal Dave Schultz a former NCAA champion from the University of Oklahoma the Russians won seven gold medals so Darso uh, said he's going to do as much as he can to pick up their technique everything else. And like I say, that's well and good. I think everybody should study the experts' technique and everything else. But you know, it's kind of a funny thing. You get too close to them, get caught up into them. I remember Ken Patera when he went to the Olympics. He got to drinking vodka with them and listening to the powerlifters and working out with them. The first thing you know, they got Ken Patera where he lost the Olympics, and he had lifted more poundage than any Russian at that time. So they're a treacherous crew, and Darso better watch out as he powers that awesome, tremendous. There he goes in that crushing upside-down bear hug, a backbreaker, and he's got him up on that shoulder. He's squeezing the air out of him, his shoulder driving through the point in the back behind him to the lungs of Doug Vine and the top hand of his arms powering him down, and Doug Vine capitulates Darso the winner. And we'll be back, USA versus Russia, following this message from Mid-South. Well, there it is, Mike Crusher Darso defeating Doug Vines with his backbreaker, and Bill Watts doing a great job early on in commentary and talking about the subtle changes in Darso in terms of it appears that he's showing some appreciation for the Russian, as he keeps calling Nikolai Volkov, the Russian. And also this story about Ken Patera doing bad in the Olympics because the Russians got him bombed on vodka. What are your thoughts on all this, Mike? I thought that was tremendous. And I just, I was wondering, like, wow, I mean, if I'm Kim Patera, I wonder how I feel about Bill Watts saying that about me. Oh, yeah, he got liquored up. The Russians liquored him up. So, so Kim Patera got close enough to him where he was trusting them. They get him liquored up on vodka, and that causes him, you know, trouble at the Olympics as far as his competition goes. I thought that was a like a tremendous little addition to the story. And Watts makes the other good point, like you mentioned, where Darso is just a little subtle changes. I mean, he's still out there in, I guess I would call that the lumberjack type paraphernalia, Brian. Is uh, that what we call him with the Daisy Dukes? I'm Daisy Dukes to... and uh, what, a flannel shirt with cut sleeves. Yeah, in the, the in, in, I'll call him... I don't even know. I can't tell because the footage is, you know, it's not really real clear. I guess those are wrestling boots. Uh, just, just, you know, he's he's still his kind of like lumberjack type of a, a Barry Darso, Crusher Darso. But yeah, the subtle little mannerisms that he's showing, even even when he wins. Like uh, here's here's a good example because Watts doesn't say this on commentary. You know, he puts Doug Vines over his shoulder. He's he's got him in that position, uh, the the backbreaker over the shoulder, and he just when Johnny Martinez calls for the bell, he just drops him to the side. I mean, in, in no regard for the guy. Little things like that also is what I'm noticing. So it's the mannerisms that tell the story as well. Just just kind of just nonchalant, roll, you know, steps out of the ring, 
But it's the little things that you can see, all right, something something may be up with this guy. And I like that. Well, the story continues because coming out of that match, we get Nikolai Volkov versus the returning Steve Dr. Death Williams, Randy Pee Wee Anderson, the referee. Of course, before the match, they play the Russian national anthem for Nikolai Volkov, a rather majestic-sounding version of the song. Let's get Bill Watts' opening thoughts on Dr. Death Steve Williams, as well as, no surprise here, Russia. And the introduction of the match, you saw the Russian powerhouse Nikolai Volkov grin as being introduced, and then he oh, becomes proud and stalwart as a playing of his national Oh, he's anthem. attacking Doc. Doc's got to get out of the blocks. The Russian hitting him with the blitz. Crusher Darso standing ringside, again, studying every move the Russian makes, watching his technique, watching his power. Dr. Death has really been pummeled by the Russian, but Doc's got the guts. He's got the firepower, too. You're going to have to, Doc's got that great heart, that heart, that thing that the good Lord gives you. That's something that nobody can develop. You're born with it. The technique you can develop, the strength you can develop, but not that great heart. Look at Doc. He's treating that Russian. Single leg, moves in on him. Like you say, Doc was selected on the world, world team in 1981, and after working out with the Russian heavyweight, the heavyweight forfeited to him at the meet. And the Russian's been saying a lot of things about Doc. A lot of people don't understand the doctor. He's a great big kid in the man's body, but got a good heart. He loves his parents. Talked to his father and met him, and dad followed him at the Nationals. Doc loves his family, his brother, his mother. He loves his country, loves the University of Oklahoma. A great kid, a patriotic, a loyal kid. My little girl loves to go fishing with him. He's just a wonderful guy. And this Russian has really gotten into Doc. He's accused Doc and said a lot of derogatory things about him. Reverse chin lock with the Russian. You saw the Russian pull the hair. Referee was out of position. The Russian knows every trick. They wouldn't send somebody over here to represent their country that wasn't awesome. They want to come over and try to intimidate the United States. They have the whole world. This is the last of the free world right here, ladies and gentlemen, the United States. And Russia wants it all. Well, there it is, Mike. Geopolitical Bill Watts at his best. And of course, Dr. Death. It sounded like Bill Watts was singing the lyrics to Free Fallen by Tom Petty. He's a good boy. He loves his parents. He, lo <laughs> he loves his family. He's just a kid in a grown-up's body. What the hell was Bill Watts? He's trying so hard to get Dr. Death over here. It's obvious. And, you know, back then, we I didn't know. Now, of course, I know. So it's easy for me to look back at something with hindsight and go, oh, my God, the, the, just the, the, over, the over just trying to get the people to love this guy. It's, it's off-putting at this point. But we didn't know that back then. So I always say you got to have, you know, kind of multiple perspectives, especially if you watch this as a kid like I did. Uh, you know, you heard there about Darso. He's at ringside watching the match. I, I, aside from the, the, the Russian talk and all that, I said this when Dr. Death, you know, I've said it a few times now that we've seen him. And uh, I think we saw him summer of 82 for the first time. He's still got a long way to go as you watch him in this match. I mean, he... He he does a he's constantly rushing. Like whenever he does something, like he Irish whipped Nikita. Uh, I, almost, I said Nikita instead of Nikolai. Nikolai Volkov into the corner in the beginning, and he doesn't even give Nikolai time to hit the turnbuckle, register it before he's already on him with a shoulder to the gut, and it just it it makes Nikolai look bad because Nikolai doesn't have time to sell the big power moves from Doctor Death. And it's I hear, and the reason I'm harping on this again is because I've, I hear people talk about, oh, this guy was a natural. Look, just because somebody's a great amateur wrestler doesn't make them make them a natural professional wrestler. I think Kurt Angle certainly was fantastic from the get go. It seemed, at least as far as I can recall, Doctor Death was not. Now, as I say that, keep in mind, he's going to get a lot better real quick because in just a couple of years, uh, he obviously transforms his body and. He's much smoother, and he is a just a powerhouse in the ring. Right now, though, I, this match, I want to know what you think, Brian, but he is leaving me with a lot to be desired as Bill Watts fillets him over there. I don't know if I can say that, but 
He's not what well, you just did, but he's not very good yet here. I mean, yeah, he's, he's not showing good fire. I give him that, but he's not smooth and he's better than what he was when we saw him in what was it, the summer of 82. But he still hasn't been working regularly, so he gets lost at times. And Nikolai may not be the best opponent for him, or maybe Nikolai did as good as you could do here, but Doc is still learning. He's not the Dr. Death we would all come to know and love, and you made a lot of good points. The other thing I would just point out is, I think what helped him tremendously was being DiBiase's partner, and standing on the apron and watching what Ted could do in there while he was working, and Ted talking to him and teaching him a lot, and that's right around the time his physique changed. I think teaming with DiBiase taught him a lot about what to do inside the ring. I agree with you because Ted wasn't one, at least we see in Mid-South. He, he doesn't rush. He registers everything. When something happens to him, he sells it. Uh, he reacts appropriately. He doesn't, he doesn't run anything. My biggest thing with Dr. Death right now is he, he just, he's rushing the whole time. I mean, he, is, he does not stop to give his opponent any time to register anything and to sell anything. It's just move, 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 move until he's selling. And then even then it's, it's just not smooth. Again, I say all that to say, he improves. He gets really good. And I think your point about DiBiase and the lessons that DiBiase was able to uh, give to him was tremendous for his career because I, we all know how great DiBiase was. We continue with this match, and let's go now to the close of it, or at least the closing minutes of it. We'll hear more from Cowboy Bill Watts. We'll talk about it on the other side. Doc is undefeated in Mid-South. And he's wrestled some big ones. He's wrestled Kamala. He's wrestled the missing link. Big Bobby Duncan. He's wrestled them all. Now Doc going for the fall. Oh, the rushing with that tremendous power. This man, when he was 17 years old, deadlifted 600 pounds in one hand. But the Doc is a 500-pound bench presser also. And he's firing away that 295. He's pushing him, leaning on him, trying to wear him down. Doc catches him with that great, great big shoulder tackle. Oh, the Russian got out of the way. Gee whiz, that little referee was just annihilated. The Russian's up. Over the top rope, that's an automatic disqualification, but of course the referee's not there to see it. Darso going to help up Dr. Death. Crusher Darso helping him up. Oh, Darso's not He's up. not helping him, Bill. He's attacking him. Darso's attacking him. Darso's got Doc up in that reverse backbreaker, that powerful barrack. What's going on with Darso? Has he lost his mind? Look at the Russian and the, the Russian. Darso's got Doc up. The Russian. There's some kind of signaling going on between the Russian and Darso as Darso's watching. Now he, he throws Doc back in the ring. The Russian. The Russian's attacking Doc Darso. Darso was, I boy. Now the Russian attacking Doc, the referee back in the ring. Dr. Death has been crushed in that upside down bear hug. All the wind shut off. Now the Russians got him up. Can he lift Doc all the way up? Oh, look at that awesome power. Now look at the Russian choke him with that left hand, shutting off Doc's win. One, two, three. The Russian with the help of Crusher Darso. Look at Darso! Look at Darso, the true colors! Crusher Darso congratulating Nikolai Volkov. Boy, this makes me sick. Me sick to the stomach, so we'll go away and come back with more action after this word. You heard it, Mike. Sick to their stomach. Crusher Darso and his Daisy Dukes turns on not just Steve Dr. Death Williams, but America. Putting Dr. Death in that backbreaker, and by the way, that is pretty impressive because that could have been screwed up very easily. Doc was a big guy here. I know Darso's big and strong, but picking him up that way on the floor, that very easily could have gone south, and it worked well. Maybe not the smoothest job of throwing him back in the ring on either of their parts, but a big angle here. Crusher Darso officially turns and goes with Nikolai Volkov. What are your thoughts on all of this, Mike? Well, first, it's not a Mid-South 
main event type or match where you've got, you know, two good talents in the ring without a ref taking a bump. That'll never happen. <laughs> I say that jokingly. So and Watts didn't even was, identify him by name. It was just that little referee. <laughs> <laughs> he, didn't, he sure didn't. And, you know, hey, I was a little hard on Dr. Death a minute ago, but, you know, Dr. Death, he, he hit he hit Pee Wee really good uh, to send Pee Wee flying. So it made a lot of sense. Uh, this was, I thought this was actually well done from, from the point of view of Doc hitting Pee-wee, Pee-wee taking the bump, and then Darso, who's been at ringside the whole time, he's out there, and what does he do? He takes advantage of the situation. He picks Dr. Death up, puts him over his back, does that backbreaker like he does. You can tell Watts is pissed off. The crowd, uh, if you, you're listening to the audio, they were kind of, I wouldn't say stunned silence is the appropriate way, but they were quiet. But I wouldn't take that as they didn't like what was happening because they're all outside of the first row. A lot of them are standing up as this is happening. Like they're kind of stunned. They're standing up as they watch it. So they're they're really into it. And you could tell. And then we see at the end of it, uh, Dr. Death is rolled in. Nikolai Volkov, as I've said a bunch of times, shows off his power because Dr. Death has not really given him a lot of help when he's got him above his head. And he picks that big man up and drops him up over his knee and gets the one, two, three. There is a guy in it with a cowboy hat on to the left of the hard camera who appropriately gives the Russian sympathizer, as it seems at this point, Crusher Darso, the up yours middle finger type sim symbol as uh, he celebrates in the ring with Nikolai Volkov. I thought this was well done. And... If an American is a Russian sympathizer, that can only mean we are really about to get ramped up geopolitical Bill Watts shortly. Coming out of that match, Mike, we go to our next match, a tag team affair, where the Midnight Express take on Lanny Poffo and Joshua Stroud, Rick Ferreira, the referee, and of course, this being the Midnight Express, let's go now to the introduction with their manager, Jim Cornette, not yet totally comfortable in Mid-South. You'll hear it here, I think. Still calling himself Jimmy Cornette. Check this out. This tag team match is one fall or television time remaining. In the blue corner, at 215 pounds from Detroit, Michigan, Joshua Stroud. And his partner, at 237 pounds from Lexington, Kentucky, leaping Lanny Poffo. You want to just give me the microphone now, Jim Ross? As I've told you before, I don't allow anyone else but myself to introduce my team. Shut up! As you know by now, my name is Jimmy Cornette, one of the most successful, and if I do say so myself, one of the nicest dressed re uh, managers in professional wrestling. And I, in addition to that, manage the greatest team in professional wrestling. If you want to wrestle, they can put a sandwich on your back and starve you to death. If you want to fight, they'll throw so many rights, you'll beg them to hit you with a left. If you want to brawl, these men were born with metal folding chairs in their hands. Ladies and gentlemen, lover boy Dennis and beautiful Bobby, the Midnight Express. Well, there you hear it, Mike. The introduction by Jim Cornette of the Midnight Express. He's only been there on TV a few weeks, but this is starting to do the job of making the fans there hate him. Yeah, he he's just got a uncanny ability to he, he he's he's got that gift of gab with the talking man and. He's slowly doing it. Like he doesn't just, it's not full bore yet. I guess is the words I was looking for. Like you said, he's, he's, he's starting and you just look at him. And, and I distinctly remember, I remember the first time I was on with Jim. And one of the things I told him when, when you, you guys graciously brought me on to talk about Smoky Mountain wrestling. And when I was talking to Jimmy for the first time on air, I was like, I mean, I hated you with a passion. And I can remember these days when he first comes in and as a kid, I'm looking at him going, why don't this little skinny guy shut up? Cause he's got the coat on, you know, the suit, I say coat, but he's got the suit on and he's got his team out there and you know, he's taking Dennis Condry's robe off as Condry wiggles. And he, he's just like, you know, taking care of them. And I just hated him. And you listen to him right there. He had a couple of little one-liners in there, nothing like spectacular, but just enough. That you're like, I don't like this dude. This guy seems slimy. Something about him is just off. So it, he's slowly setting the tone right here for obviously uh, what they will become. He will become in professional wrestling and them as a trio, as a team. Also point out, 
I swear, man, I know Father Time is undefeated and you hear that all the time, but it is amazing when you watch almost 40 years later when, when we watch these things back with a young Jim Ross and Jim Cornette in the ring and, and Cornette taking the microphone from him and, you know, getting his stuff in. And then you see Bobby and, and Dennis out there. It's just, I don't know, man, I, I get nostalgic when I watch these because of that. They're so young, man. It's, it's crazy. Now, as I say, they're so young. Boy, Dennis Condry still looks like he's 48 years old right yeah. here in Mid-South. He never looks young. <laughs> never. He never looks young. Now, Bobby, Bobby, you can tell. Like, and Jimmy, you can tell, obviously. So when I'm saying young, I'm, I'm saying Dennis still looks like he's, you know, 48. I, I swear, you know, it's like he was born 48 years old. I know he wasn't, but, you know, that's, that's what it appears. And he's nowhere near that as I say that. Well, let's hear some audio from the match. Bill Watts' thoughts on the Midnight Express, including more thoughts on Russia. But I just want to say one thing. Lanny Poffo is ridiculous. He's completely ridiculous. And for any of us that criticize wrestlers that are phony in the ring, I hate to use that term, but that's what it seems like. Go watch Lanny Poffo here. The safest flips. Like, everything he does, you had never seen gymnastics in a wrestling ring like that before, or at least during this time in America. But it also, everything looks so weak, and I don't know. At one point, he starts hamming it up in the ring, and and not good. Anything you want to say before we play the audio about Lanny Poffo in here? I, I don't hate Lanny Poffo, but I never was, like, a big fan. But he does do, like, when you see him with all the flips, and there's a there's an opening sequence where I don't even know how to describe it. Uh, he He does, like, a head scissors with Dennis as Bobby's holding Lanny up, and then when they roll out the ring... He he does this backflip, and then I don't even know what the hell kind of dance and whatever he's trying to do in the ring to show them, hey, I got you. It, yeah, he's kind of, like you said, hamming it up, and I, I don't know. Lanny Pavel just doesn't work for me in Mid-South. I, again, if you're a fan of him, great, in other places, but for me in Mid-South, didn't work for me. Here's some more audio from the match. Let's go to Cowboy Bill Watts. Here last week, but right now, Bobby Eaton's got one of the toughest youngsters in wrestling, leaping Lanny Poffo, who has certainly proved he can handle just about any situation right here in Mid South Wrestling. And there, leaping Lanny Poffo with his gymnastic ability. Whoa! He launched Bobby Eaton. There's Dennis Condry. Oh, Poffo! He's got Condry also. And leaping Lanny Poffo. Listen to this crowd, they love him. They love it. He and Magnum T.A., what a dynamite team. Of course, I'm still a little bit down and dismayed and upset about what I just saw happen to Steve. Dr. Death Williams and Crusher Darso apparently ensnared, whether voluntarily or what, into the Russian web. And that's just how easy it is, ladies and gentlemen. Look at all the countries that have listened to the promises of Russia who signed treaties with them and thought they were protected by Russia and they were just taken in and used. There, Dennis Condry showing that wrestling ability. Joshua Stroud, that fine-tuned young athlete. Oh, good move by Joshua Stroud. And Bobby Eaton is on the defensive. You're right about Jim Cornette. He seems to be a very confident man. And you know, to walk in the Mid-South that has the toughest competition in the world today in wrestling with a team that's not the biggest team. They're not overpowering. They're not like a Butch Reed and a... Jim the Anvil Neidhart, or Ernie Ladd and Bad Leroy Brown, our Super Destroyer and the Grappler. These guys are got to be quick. They've got to know what they're doing. But they've got to have a lot of tricks up their sleeve, and so has Jim Cornette. Look at him. Look at him every move. See? He takes advantage of the referee's count right there. And he snuffs Joshua Stroud and pulls him back in, makes the tag. The quickness, the teamwork. These men are here to challenge everybody in Mid-South. And like I say, their reputation from Memphis and Louisville, Chattanooga, it precedes them. The Midnight Express is an awesome team. And Jimmy Cornette, as I've delved into the past, has been associated with a man named Hart in Memphis. Not Gary Hart, not the man out of Dallas. Not Chicago's Playboy Gary Hart. But these guys have a lot of ties and there's a lot of ability. And a lot of things that have to come out yet. Tag is made. Oh, there's that move. There's that move where he picks him up like for an atomic drop. And then Bobby Eaton comes off 
the second rope, which is legal after the tag is made with that elbow and decapitates him. And I'm telling you, whoever gets that move is just wiped out. Another victory for the Midnight Express. We'll be back with more wrestling when we return after this match. Well, there it is, Mike. Another impressive match. Another impressive victory from the Midnight Express. And Bill Watts really putting them over hard, pointing out, yeah, they're not as big as some of the other teams you've seen in the past, but they're just as vicious. You know, Bill Watts putting them over. What else can you ask for? You stole my thunder right there because that's exactly what I was going to say. We know, I mean, obviously more than ever, we know Mid-South was a quote-unquote big man's territory. You had, you had these powerhouses there, right? That was part of the problem in 83. We we had nothing but powerhouses for the longest time, and it was uh, running, it was getting a little stale. Well, he points out specifically, he's like, look, these guys aren't the biggest. They're not the strongest, but they're good. Look at their quickness. Look at the things they can do. Look at how they wrestle. Uh, he also points out, you know, hey, you know, that Jimmy Cornette guy on the outside, you know, you got to watch him because look, look what he'll do. And and sure enough, you see Jimmy kind of giving the directions and wanting to get involved and telling his guys what to do. So it's just a lot of seed planting. We use that term a lot on Mid-South because Bill Watts does a great job of doing that. There's a lot of seed planting here, just telling the people. He's basically educating us as an audience back then. I know these guys aren't huge. I know they aren't big, like some of what you've seen in the past on our program. But these guys are a force to be reckoned with. He doesn't say that. He, su he says it in a way to sell them as the heels and kind of the coward that Cornette is, is going to become. But at the same time, he's also putting them over as, you know, hey, they, they might be this, they might be that, and they might be small, but uh, don't take them lightly. And I think that's important for, to, to, to do that. I mean, they're only a couple weeks in at this point. We got we to gotta sell them. They haven't beat anybody yet. Uh, anybody of note, I should say. So it's important, and I thought Bill Watts did, did a good job of that here. For our next match, Boyd Pierce introduces Lanny Poffo, who is at the desk to do commentary for our next match, Magnum TA versus Frank Levert. Johnny Martinez, the referee, you may remember, Mr. Wrestling 2, has a problem with Lanny Poffo, even though Lanny's teaming with, or trying to team with, Magnum TA, Mr. Wrestling 2's protege, Mike, we're going to play this audio. Tell me if Lanny says anything. He <laughs> talks okay. in just generalities and never actually says much. But let's go to this. Magnum TA versus Frank Levert, Johnny Martinez, the referee. Lanny Poffo and Boyd Pierce on commentary. Lanny Poffo, who was his partner last week, had done a tremendous job as they turned out to be a formidable duo, is with us to tell us about all the action. I know a lot of things have been circulating around about your father and brother and about the tactics that they use, Lanny, and you may comment as we go along. Right now, let's have the action in the ring, please. Well, thank you very much, Boyd. And there has been a great deal of fan mail that I've been receiving, and most of them are just inquiring into the situation. As you know, Mr. Wrestling Number 2 has made some allegations, and uh, it seems that allegedly I was in some pretty controversial things and there's there you see mr wrestling number two he has taken magnum ta under his wing and i'm trying to make a name for myself in mid-south wrestling and as you know the fastest rising young superstar is magnum ta and if i could have him as my partner i figured that that would be my shortcut to the tag team titles and you know i wanted to take this opportunity right now to explain about some of the things that happened with Mr. Wrestling Number Two. My name is Lanny Poffo. My father is Angelo Poffo, and my brother, his name is Randy Poffo. He wrestles as the Macho Man, Randy Savage. And unfortunately, I was a little bit subservient. I was the youngest of the family, and of course, I am an adult, and I must accept the responsibility for my own actions. However, I tried to make a clean breast of things and coming to Mid-South on my own steam. I've been wrestling in a lot of areas in the country. I've been in Canada. I've been in Mexico. And I'm trying to start over and create a new reputation. I'm not wrestling on my old one. I'm trying to make a new reputation. I'm trying to get Magnum TA as my partner. But what happens is that Mr. Wrestling number two is ruining everything for me and I'm afraid He's wrestling too now as he came out of his seat. He has his pad and pen, but he raised up right at ringside here during this match, Lanny. 
There's a beautiful drop kick, and that's one of the reasons I want him as my partner. This man has the speed, the strength, the know-how, and I wanted to make one thing perfectly clear, that Mr. Wrestling number two, I do not blame him for what's happened. What a beautiful victory by Magnum T.A. It was, and we'll have more action coming up and see Mr. Rassing 2 versus the Missing Link after this message. You know, Mike, maybe I misspoke. He doesn't say nothing. He just rambles to the point where you have no idea what the original point was supposed to be. Here's one thing I did take away. He really wants Magnum T.A. to be his partner to the point where he's willing to admit on TV that, I see you. This will be my easy way to get the tag team titles. I'll just latch on to him. This was bizarre commentary, and then it just ended. And then it just stopped because the match ended. What are your thoughts on, I mean, if you have any thoughts about the match, tell me. Frank Lavert versus Magnum TA. What are your thoughts on Lanny Poffo on commentary? Well, once again, you're flying into my computer and stealing my notes here because my exact note from the time he started was Poffo rambles and never makes his point. So he originally started talking about fan mail he's been receiving. And it seemed like he was about to go somewhere regarding the fan mail. But then he stopped and he starts talking about he and Magnum. And if Magnum was his partner, exactly what you said, I think his words were, it would be a shortcut to the tag titles. And then he starts talking about his father and Randy and, and then he's just rambling and never makes the point with that. And it was almost as if the, he wasn't expecting the match to end. And it ended without him ever making a point about the original point he brought up, which was the fan mail. Because that's the first thing he went into. My notes say, Poffo rambles and never makes his point. And I've listened to this now at least 10 times. And I still don't know what the point was supposed to be. I feel like Watts definitely had him out there for a reason, but I don't know if that ever came to fruition because it made no sense. Now, we, we, we know just from the last, you know, we've seen in these episodes, two going off on a tirade on Pafo and being from this horrible family. We know all that, but this just commentary came out of nowhere with, Lanny, and he, again, never made his point when he's out there. Very, very odd situation, odd commentary. The match, I got no comments on. It's Magnum defeating Frank LaVert. I don't know if you'd expect anything else, but just a really, really, really odd moment on commentary. And that's my, that's, that, that's my thoughts. Very weird. I chuckled when you said, before you threw to the soundbite, uh, like you were you were saying Papa Rambles or something. I can't remember exactly what you said. I chuckled because I'm like, God, he's, he's, he's reading my notes and I know he doesn't even have them. Coming out of that match, Mike, you want to talk about weird. I'm not going to really focus on this or play audio from it, but they air a Mr. Wrestling 2 versus the Missing Link match from a previous TV taping. Reese Bowden, the ring announcer, he's not even there this week. Jim Ross, the ring announcer. Randy Anderson, the referee, Wrestling 2 wins with a knee lift. Any thoughts or notes about this? I just thought it was weird that they aired this match because it was clearly from a different taping. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the only other, the, well, let me say this. Watts does mention, I think you said it, they'll be, they'll be filming workouts with he and TA. And Watts also brings up Akbar, and Akbar's absent due to Kamala being involved with a feud with the Von Eric. So he brings that up. Besides the Watts commentary, the match was very, very slow. Um, I don't know. I didn't have much from it other than that. Coming out of that match, we get our next match. Hacksaw Duggan versus Tom Lentz. Rick Ferreira, the referee. Now, you may remember this was set up at the end of last week's show where Tom Lentz, who we had never really seen before, just showed up at the end of the episode and challenged Jim Duggan, right? Yeah, it was. We kind of, I think, I can't remember exactly what we said, but yeah, he just shows up and cuts a promo and. Very odd, out of nowhere. Yeah, and an interesting match here, too. Sloppy at times. It didn't seem like Lentz was up to speed with Duggan. Mike, did you have any thoughts about Tom Lentz or this match? I want to play a brief bit of audio, but it really doesn't pertain to either of those things. I was just going to mention that the crowd, I felt like they were into it, but 
I didn't have much else from the match, and I just feel like they were kind of into it when they got loud a few times just because it's Duggan, and I don't know, he's just he's kind of that force of nature in Mid-South that they're going to be into it just because just because he's out there. I mean, he's kind of got the same effect that Dog would have in his heyday, obviously. Well, Bill Watts got off geopolitical talk to talk a little bit about a sponsor or a friend of the sponsors from Hope, Arkansas, he just saw in the audience. I always love when Bill Watts puts over the people that he works with. So let's hear this briefly. By the way, Boyd, while I was, while Lanny Papa was narrating the Magnum TA match, I saw John May of Hope, Arkansas in the audience. It's always good to see John. They've got a really active group of sponsors of professional wrestling. They had the largest crowd ever this summer at the Watermelon Festival in Hope for professional wrestling that that town had ever seen. And I want to congratulate him and all the men that work with him. And we're looking forward to next year. And now Jim Hacksaw Duggan against Tom Lentz. And we saw last week Tom Lentz scouted Jim Duggan and said, he doesn't know me, but I know him. And <laughs> he's against a powerful man. Both these men, big powerhouses straining away. And Tom Lentz on his debut on Mid-South Wrestling wants to upset Hacksaw Jim Duggan. But Duggan, you know, Duggan said he can do it all. He can wrestle and he can street fight. And I'll guarantee anybody who's been around a hacksaw knows one thing, that he has no regard for his own personal safety, that he'll, he uses his whole body like a lethal weapon. Well, there it is, Mike. Bill Watson seeing the people from Hope, Arkansas. They just had their biggest crowd ever for wrestling at the Watermelon Festival. But once again, I just want to reiterate before we move on, Hacksaw Duggan wins with a spear, but Tom Lentz, it's like he's wrestling a different speed. It's like he's wrestling, it's like he's wrestling in 1970 and... You know, New York or Indianapolis, he's not wrestling in 1983 in Mid-South. Yeah, especially given what's coming in Mid-South, where we're going to see a lot more, if you think back to this era from here on out, things are going to definitely speed up because you've got the, the I'm going to use the term smaller guys. I don't think they're all real small. I've stood next to guys like Robert Gibson before, and, and he, although they're not here yet, he's not a small man. But to the point you're making, I mean, he's, working a much slower, different style back then. Brian, by the way, I was watching this back a second ago, and I swear I see Hank to the left side, hard camera, uh, all the way on the left side of that post. He doesn't have a cowboy hat on, so I think you can miss him, but it definitely looks like him. Maybe it's just me, but I think he might be there. Well, as we go through the rest of this episode, I'm going to keep an eye out for that. I did not see that, but you got me intrigued. Coming right out of this match... Jim Ross gets in the ring to interview Hacksaw Duggan. Let's go to this. Jim Ross now in the ring now. Let's hear if he can get Jim, an interview. Jim Duggan, what? just a second. What do you want? I just want to ask you a few questions. Right here, Mid-South Wrestling, there's a confrontation coming down that everybody knows about. I know what you're talking Junkyard about. Junkyard Dog and Nikolai Volkov. monitor. I saw exactly what happened. And I'm pulling for the Junkyard Dog. These people know where I stand on that. But what I want to get straight was what I want to know. Because I know that big crusher Darso has got a few brains. He had what he did right here today planned before it happened. I can't understand why a man from this country would stoop so low to team up with somebody like that. That Benedict Arnold son, I can't say that on TV, Jim. But let me tell you something. These people out here chanting USA, Hacksaw Duggan standing here proud, crushing Darso. You're a man without a country. You are Mark Madden's report in the rest of this Mid-South area. And Hacksaw Douglas is going to take it on him by himself to straighten a few things out. And that's mainly you, Crusher Darso, because you don't do what you did here and walk away scot clean. We're taking care of business coming up. And we'll be back with more after this word from the Mid-South Wrestling Television and coming out of that promo, Mike, they interestingly go to a slow-mo replay of the spear that he hits on Tom Lentz. But what are your thoughts on this promo by Hacksaw Duggan? Well, Duggan's always fired up, and, and he's no different right there. I, You know, Duggan saying he's behind JYD doesn't surprise me one bit. Uh, he says, you know, he knows Darso had this plan, and he just can't understand why. Why he would side with Nikolai. He Tells Darso he's a marked man and he's a man without a country and Duggan's going to go after him. So uh, when Duggan talks, he generally means business and he tells us he's going to straighten Darso out. I thought it was a good and passionate promo from Duggan. He he almost called him a son of a you know what right there. He's like, I can't say it on TV. 
I thought it was good. I thought it was a good, I'll call it quick promo about a minute and a half from Duggan where he basically gives his thoughts on it and says, all right, let's do this. So stay tuned. We'll see if anything happens. But uh, I think we know what side Duggan's on here related to the Russians. Well, coming out of that, we're going to continue on with the Russians. Bill Watts shoots us to an interview with Crusher Darso. Let's go to this. Well, I guess you've heard of equal time. Jim Ross is going to ask the same question of Crusher Darso, but I stand like Hacksaw Dugan. I'm too, I'm too partial to this situation, especially when it happened to my friend Steve, Dr. Death Williams, that this is one interview I couldn't conduct. Let's go to the ring and Jim Ross with Crusher Darso and listen to that crowd. Just a few weeks ago, right here on Mid-South Wrestling, at that time, I had the, I had the privilege to interview Crusher Darso. At that time, you turned on Skandar Akbar, and at that time, you threw $500 back in the man's face. At that time, you made a stand for yourself, and me and a lot of other people are very proud of you. Right now, I don't know if anybody's proud of you. What's going on? What is, what is going on with you and the Russian? You're an American. Well, Jim, that's true. I did, I did give him back the $500, and I did help the junkyard dog out. There's one thing. He didn't help me out once here. I came in, and I saved him, and he didn't do one thing for me. And nobody knows this, but I was in secret training with the Russian, Nikolai Volkov. And he taught me how to train, taught me how to train properly. And when I seen Dr. Death out here cheating, doing everything to break the rules here, I thought this was my perfect opportunity to get with Nikolai. He's just a schoolboy, and I'm sick and tired of seeing Dr. Williams here in the main events. And I haven't had nothing here. I haven't had any breaks, and I'm going to get him now. So Mid-South better watch out, because Nikolai Volkov is helping me out. There you hear the comments from Crusher Darso. Now let's go back to the desk with Cowboy Bill Watson, Boyd Pierce. Well, as you just saw, a man without a country, a Benedict Arnold. And Boyd, he has really been ensnared. And it looks like he is a willing disciple of Nikolai Volkov, the Russian strongman. But I'll guarantee you, he's going to learn more than how to train and more than how to wrestle. He's going to end up learning a philosophy a philosophy that, like an octopus, is wanting to spread and conquer and squeeze the whole world. This is Nikolai Volkov, wants the North American title from the junkyard dog. Let's go to the ring now. Jim Ross for our last standby bout. I love when Bill Watts sounds disappointed, but there it is, an interview with Crusher Dar. So Jim Ross, who is getting used more and more on TV and I think is getting more and more comfortable, and actually this week and next week, the work with Crusher Darso has been the best stuff he's done in Mid-South so far. But what are your thoughts on Crusher Darso's interview here, Mike? You make a good point. Jim Ross did exactly that. He talks about how, you know, Akbar offered him money and, you know, you turned it down. What, you know, what the heck's going on? I thought Jim Ross was really good here. Uh, Darso, you know, this is, this is interesting because he, he says he helped the dog, you know, he helped save the dog, but no one wanted to help him. And all the while he was secretly in training with Volkov. And you are absolutely right about freaking uh, Bill Watts. Bill Watts, I know you've already got, you know, like a disappointed Lance Russell and whatnot in the 605 universe. But seriously, uh, Bill Watts, I wouldn't say you ever want to create a disappointed Bill Watts because geopolitical Bill Watts would need to come first. But he is very disappointed because he's an American. This guy's an American who turned his back on his own country. Watts even says he's a man without a country. I thought this was really good. I I mean, the, the, the real, what made this so good was they, they called back to the turning of the money down. And I can't remember Darso's exact words, but I know he was just like, you know, no, I'm, I'm an American. I'm not, I'm not taking this dirty money, this oil money. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this right. All the while, he started training with Volkov. And he says, you know, one of the things that did it was, you know, when he saved the dog, he being Darso, that no one came out to help him, which I don't even know what he's talking about. But guess what? He's a heel, so that's okay. I thought this was really good. And the crowd, you can tell they're invested in it because they were chanting traitor. So you're getting a reaction from the crowd, not just from Watts and Boyd Pierce here, or Jim Ross, sounding like he's disappointed as well, but the crowd is into it, and now they're chanting traitor at him. I thought this was good. I enjoyed it, and I think I think this is good stuff from, from Darso. Because 
Callback too, as well, as I think about when I say good stuff from Darso. I remember some of the earlier promos when he would kind of like ramble as a baby face a little bit when we first saw him when he came in. It really wasn't a lot there. Now, all of a sudden, he's getting a, a stellar reaction, a traitor reaction from the crowd. It was, it was good. I thought this was really good on his part. We then get our final match, Mike. Tonga and King Carl Fergie versus Mike Jackson and Rick Rude. Johnny Martinez, the referee. Here's a spoiler. No finish. Time runs out. But an interesting match, and fun to see a young Rick Rude and a young Barbarian in there. Of course, the Barbarian would go to Memphis from Mid-South. Let's go to some commentary to wrap up the show from Bill Watts. What if I told you, Bill, three minutes, say whatever you want to say. Go talk about whatever. Let's go to this right now, Cowboy Bill Watts. One ball or TV time remaining. That's the fourth standby bout. It's been another exciting hour on Mid-South Wrestling. We want to thank you for tuning in. Rick Rude, the impressive youngster from Robbinsdale, Minnesota, home of Larry Henning, one of the all-time greats in professional wrestling. Next week, everybody be sure to tune in because the Iceman returns. The Iceman King Parsons, he'll be here. And also, you all heard the news that shocked the world. You remember Andy Kaufman, the comedian that was wrestling on the late-night show Saturday Night Live. He was bragging and wrestling any woman that would wrestle him and beating him. And, and he got to thinking that he, since he could beat all these women, he could beat a professional wrestler. And he challenged one man, Jerry Lawler, the king of wrestling in Memphis, Tennessee. And he came in and Jerry Lawler pile-drived him. And Andy Kaufman ended up in the hospital for two or three days. Well, Jerry Lawler, King Jerry Lawler, will be here on Mid-South Wrestling next week. So a lot of excitement. I'm sure there's going to be some answers because the junkyard dog, Hacksaw Dugan, Magnum T.A., Leaping Lanny Poffo, Mr. Wrestling 2, and of course, Steve, Dr. Death Williams are going to be really on the trail, I'm sure, of Nikolai Volkov and his new protege, or satellite, Darso. And of course, then there's the tag championship with Reed and Neidhart. Very upset with the junkyard dog over the embarrassment he's done to them publicly after they shot their mouth off about what they were going to do and called him an Oriole and a lap dog and all that. They found out that he's an iron dog. He's the meanest junkyard dog in town. Three minutes of wrestling time left, and this match is really fast and furious out here. It's King Carl Fergie with a massive partner, Tonga against Mike Jackson with the quickness and the speed, but Fergie shut him off. But Mike has got a lot. Whoa, look at little Mike Jackson go. the Midnight Express with their manager Jim Cornette have certainly impressed me. These guys are a tremendously active team. They have all the skills. Looks like they've got the killer instinct. Look at this powerhouse man Tonga and, and I think Mike Jackson wisely putting in a little firepower. Rick Rude, a powerful young man. He was here a couple of months ago and uh, disappeared from the scene and then he called Matchmaker Grizzly Smith and said, I want another shot on Mid-South. And Rick Rude had done well here. Looks like he's gotten even bigger. Look at that muscles tense up. This is a powerful young man. It's exciting. A lot of things happening, Boyd. Two minutes of airtime left. These men all vying for a win because when you win here on Mid-South Television, all the promoters, Jimmy Kilshaw, his mother Pauline Kilshaw, who promote Baton Rouge, Paul Bosch of Houston, these Nephew Peter Burkholz, they're all looking in, and these are the matches they want to book in their towns. George Culkin and Gil Culkin from Mississippi. Whoa, good move by Mike Jackson, just not big enough to take the big man down. Skeet Schutt and LaRanger, Drewby Landry of Homa, Ken Whitaker, Lafayette. Well, there it is, Mike. Bill Watts looking for things to talk about at the end of the show. Puts over... Rick Rude's muscles, which is interesting because years later, I was in the room when he said, if Rick Rude wasn't on steroids, he'd be 180 pounds. But I like the idea that he ran down all the local promoters. I like hearing that on the show. Just because there you, you got all the names for people who always try to search out those kind of things. Not just the names of the promoters, but in some cases, like the Killshaws, the mother of the promoter. But uh, what are your thoughts on uh, this match or the close of this show? Yeah, I always like Bill Watts. He just goes off on a tangent on various things, brings up Andy Kaufman, lots of other stuff, uh, brings up Lawler and 
the Kaufman angle and Lawler says he's going to be here next week. Stay tuned. If that happens, he brought up Reed Neidhart calling JYD and Oreo. Brian, was that something that would be set up in the North? I'm trying to figure out if that was a Southern thing. I'm not familiar with the phrase in terms of uh, it being used in a, a racist connotation, if, if that's what you're referring to. I don't remember ever hearing that up here. Not that people didn't use it, but I don't remember ever hearing it. Well, so uh, where I'm from, I believe in many parts of the South, because I've heard this numerous times uh, or heard it said, you you would hear folks call, uh, you'd actually hear white folks and black folks say it. I think about it, but if you had a black person who I'm trying to be careful because I don't want this to come off wrong, uh, who spoke proper, um, you might hear something like that. Uh, they would call the black person an Oreo. So I'm I'm trying to give it the proper context when you hear Reed when you hear Watts say Reed Neidhart called JYD that I didn't remember that. I'm, I'm wondering if that was on a local promo or did we talk about? Do you remember us talking about this? Because I feel like maybe he's quoting something from a local promo, but. I do so many shows. I, I I sometimes do forget what we cover and don't cover. Uh, I do you don't believe I don't believe it was on the show, and if it was, I don't remember it. It had to be during a local promo. So that's what I thought. So anyway, uh, that that term when you hear Oreo, you know, think of an Oreo where you know you got the white on the inside and it's black on the outside because it's a cookie. It's chocolate cookie. That's where that term's coming from, and they were calling JYD that as a derogatory term. And I can remember hearing that in the South as a kid. Uh, it's funny, my wife and I had this discussion one time, and uh, she said that uh, where she went to school, she sometimes was was called that and uh, by some folks who were just idiots. So anyway, that's a that's a hell of an insult. If they said that on television, a local promo, I, God, I'd love to see that local promo if if we had it. Because I just don't, I don't remember Brian and I discussing this because it, it would have caught my ear. And I know, we, I, know I would have talked about it with you. So anyway, I just found... You know, Watts mentioning that at the end here, along with all other things, interesting as we close out uh, or come to the end of another episode. And like you said, they go off air with no resolution. All four guys are fighting as time expires in the ring. But a lot happened this week, so a good episode of Mid-South Wrestling, and we put that episode in the books. Want to remind everyone, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at GreatBrianLast. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter at SuperPodcasts, also on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Arcadian Vanguard. You can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast at 605pod.com. Available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Mike, how can the listeners stay in touch with you and your wonderful programming over at Booking the Territory? Come check us out at tinyurl.com slash bttpod. We mainly drop one show a week on Thursday nights. It's our NWA Saturday night on TBS recaps from the we're into the 90s now. Lots of fun over there. Uh, it is uh, plus other shenanigans. We talk about more than just NWA Saturday night on TBS. We talk about various things related to uh, old school wrestling. It's a fun time. The show is not politically correct. The language is strong. The jokes are terrible. But we try to have a lot of fun in today's crazy world that we're living in and take your mind off of this world for a good hour and a half, sometimes two hours a week on that show. Also, give me a follow on Twitter at Mike504Saints. And uh, sometimes I post clips of our shows that Brian and I discuss here. Uh, for example, a while back, we did the show on Dusty, or when Dusty, we thought he made up a word, but then I heard from various people that found the word repetenda. So, uh, repetenda! <laughs> Russia ain't even my, my repetenda! Uh, Brian, I don't know if you saw that. There were a few I people. Did I did see that, and I think it's pure luck. There's no way he knew what he was saying in that moment. You go walk back and watch that. No way. <laughs> no way. I think he said something like, Russia ain't even in my repetenda. <laughs> you do it better than me. But anyway, uh, so I saw that from a couple folks on Twitter, and now I was when I was looking for it again, I couldn't find it. But I did post the clip on Twitter for those who uh, wanted to actually see Dusty State Repetenda. But that's it, man. Come listen to us at Booking the Territory at tinyurl.com slash bttpod or just search Booking the Territory wherever you get your podcast from and come join us for a good time uh, every night on Thursday night. That's when the shows drop. Obviously, you can download and listen to it anywhere at any time. Well, until next time, the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. Your producer 
is Jace Nakarado. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho!